0: You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. Our goal is not only to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon in conversations about what we're learning and what God is doing in our lives and in our community. This conversation is inspired by our 2022 sermon series, Holy Ghost Stories. You can find more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for joining us for this conversation.
1: What did you do this weekend? What did
0: I do this weekend? Yeah. I uh, sat outside at Eli's football game in the freezing cold wind for two and a half hours. And I- Did they win? They did not. Ooh, They're Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> done and done. No more football. Um, so I did that. I wrote my sermon and preached my sermon <laughs> and, and uh, got some things ready for the house before the Thanksgiving festivities kick off, mm. and I go into surgery next week. Oh yeah, I only have one hand.
1: What'd you do this weekend, Jeremy? Since you weren't at church with us, no. The uh, young adults had a lovely retreat in the Poconos. Uh, we had it was supposed to be ten of us, but um, due to certain circumstances, we were able to have nine. Uh, come out. And it was a lovely time. We um, focused our retreat around prayer. Hmm. Yeah, it was just a, a real holy time to be in fellowship, but also to really work on that spiritual discipline. And so I come back from that retreat Sunday, like an hour or some before youth group starts. And I get news that apparently... Uh, Your sermon was a crowd favorite this past Sunday, and so looking forward to listen to it. And when I listened to it, at the end there, you listed four things um, uh, that you encouraged us to do, and it it was very well um, related to what we did on our uh, retreat where we were building Relationships where we could intentionally hold ourselves accountable to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, We were working on prayer and you discussed conversational prayer. And in regards to soaking in the scripture, the verse that started off our weekend with was in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 12 and 13 which says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Mm. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And we all had, um, for the most part, had these new prayer journals, and part of the prayer journals has like a memory verse. Mm -hmm. So each week you can work on memorizing a verse. And I encourage people to make Jeremiah 29 12 their verse of then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you because I really wanted everybody to soak that verse in. it seems simple I'm like yeah yeah he's listening but to really soak that in and fully acknowledge that and would that not lead us to desire to pray to him more Mm -hmm. to spend more time in prayer if we truly acknowledge and believe what Jeremiah twenty nine twelve says, um, and so as the young adults group was focusing on prayer specifically this weekend, uh, and you know we have all these small groups meeting within our church Sunday mornings throughout the week, and you talked about having small groups um, that that walk together in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. How does that work together if Individually, we could be soaking in certain parts of scripture and really leaning into different verses or chapters or themes within scripture. But then we come together and are to walk with one another and. Mm-hmm. Um, in whatever we're studying or, or just walking together. Cause I know, I know a guy who focused on one verse for eight months. Wow. As, as a, as a pastor who's like, I want to, I believe it was related to the joy of the Lord. Hmm. And he wanted to fully experience the joy of the Lord and to know it to be true in his core. And he was going to pray and focus and meditate on that verse until he felt like he had fully experienced hmm. the joy of the Lord. Um, and so that's different than someone else that's doing a devotional, that's going through different verses every single day and sure. uh, potentially jumping from theme to theme every month or two. Um, how do we come together in, in groups as the body?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to, to the reason and the purpose that we're meeting in these groups. We, we tend to think in the church that when we meet together in a small group, we're supposed to be studying something together. Mm. You know, we're supposed to be um, reading a book together. We're supposed to be working our way through a certain part of the Bible together. Or maybe there's a video we're watching and then, you know, the leader asks some questions. Um, but it, it's a lot of information-based mm-hmm. stuff, right? It's, and listen, that's not bad. Um I, I love some good information. I'm a bit of a nerd that way. Um Meg calls me an info junkie. Because um, <laughs> I just like to to look things up. I like to research things. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll end up going down the rabbit hole of of research on, you know, something and get to the end of it. And I share something with Meg. She's like, How did you get there and why? How does that <laughs> actually help you? Um so listen, I, I love Information. I love good information. But I think where information fails us is when we try to think our way to a deeper faith. And when Mm -hmm. we try to um, develop our spiritual life primarily through our brain. And... um, so what I was talking about when I was talking about those intentional, accountable relationships that we need to be in that help us to focus on what God's doing um, is more of a transformational focus, right? Mm-hmm. We, we want to talk about what God's doing in our lives, and so if we come together in a small group with a few other people, and and I share, you know, I was reading in. You know Philippians this week, and I read this passage about how Jesus emptied Himself, and and there was this whole progression that that showed Jesus' self-emptying and then His glorification. Like, and you you share a little bit about what God said to you through that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean everyone in the group has to stop and pull out their Bible and study that passage of Scripture together. That's just what God's been teaching me this week, and so. Yeah. It's perfectly fine for me to share what God's saying to me, how that's applying to my life, maybe a certain situation that it applied to, and then for the next person to to share about where God's meeting them in Scripture, and, and not just in Scripture, but in, in all of life. And so I think in order to get there, we just have to shift our perspective on what those groups, what those relationships are, are supposed to help us accomplish yeah so that way we move from the information
1: toward the transformation. yeah and for and for me, it's when I think of starting small groups because I mean i I started creating and teaching Sunday school classes when I was in high school, uh, sure. my home church in Pittman UMC. and it's like, what is the purpose of the gathering? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe at that time when I was a teenager, uh, personally, it was like I feel like we don't talk a lot about a lot of topics, and mm-hmm. we just need to start having these conversations. Sure. And so that's kind of where my head was at then. But now, when when I look at studies and stuff, it's the a the gathering. Holds that group accountable to mm-hmm. being in the word, to be studying the word, to gather and be the body. Um, but once we're learning that stuff, it's, okay, how do we then apply that stuff? How do we, you know, like you're talking about the transformation, it's we don't just want to come and learn these things. Because if none of us in our in the group changes right. through that time together, then why are we gathering? And I, I always think back to 1 Corinthians 13, because I also... Many times uh, as a pastor, as a Christian, whatever, I always feel like I don't know nearly enough as I should. Mm. And though um, having a passion for the word is uh, constantly reignited through the encouragement of others, through um, different resources and tools, um, I'm also humbled and reminded in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 2, where it says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I can't make my study life in scripture be my entire duty as a Christian, or that's where my relationship with God is. Ends. It's there. It is, and then I need to pass on what I learned to others, mm. and there I've I've completed the task. Um, it's okay if I'm not loving other people, but I'm telling them all these things I just read. What whoa, what am I doing? Yeah,
0: and it's not to say that our brains don't matter, right? Because no. no, we're actually, not trying no. to say that we should have uh, an anti-intellectual faith. You know, Romans calls us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and so our our minds, our brains need to be uh, an active participant in yeah. in our transformation. That's why I love apologetics. Right? That's why you love yeah. apologetics. That's why I love to read theology and to study yeah. and to to study church history and to see how yeah. doctrines you know were formed and progressed and all that kind of stuff. It's just about what we're doing. When we get together and what's the focus Mm -hmm. of where we're trying to partner with God. And so in those relationships, the assumption for me is we're gathering in worship together Mm -hmm. at some point in the week. And so we're we're hearing scripture together. We're hearing, you know, a message proclaimed together that is providing some guidance for us spiritually. But we're also spending time on our own. And uh, we're, we're studying scripture, we're reading scripture on our own, and that's part of what God's doing in our lives. And so it's not about checking our brains, but it's also not about trying to replace what we're called to do yeah. as individual followers of Jesus with a group
1: experience. Yeah, and that's just talking about our body and our church family now because, you know, we're not just going to contain everything we have within the people that are currently in these walls. The goal is to sure. uh, invite more people into this congregation and those more people may have zero history with the church and zero biblical knowledge. Mm-hmm. So then what does that look like when we have unbelievers coming into the church? It's not a, the, There is always a joke of, you know, um, come as you are, but then know and believe everything I do in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how do we incorporate people that are just curious about God, curious about who Jesus Christ is and what his followers look like as they try and get involved in worship and then hopefully into small groups. Mm-hmm. They might be curious about our small groups and still not, you know, believe what we're talking and teaching. Sure. Um. And so that's that's always a...
0: Yeah, and it certainly wouldn't be wrong, right, to invite someone who's asking questions or who you're having conversations about faith with to join and be part of a small group like that where they hear what God's doing in a group of people um, and they have an opportunity to share maybe what God's doing in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they might come to that group before they ever walk through the doors of a church to join a worship
1: service. It's a lot less intimidating to maybe come to a small group versus corporate worship. Um, But another thing is when they come to that time that hopefully they also see how holy believers are when they come together, how they interact mm-hmm. with one another, how they treat one another, and that it would be something different than what they've seen out in the world when other groups gather.
0: Yeah, and even the opportunity to share some some areas where we're struggling, right, when we're in those groups, because... I think it's so tempting when we come to worship. It's like, oh, let me put on my church clothes and my happy face and Mm -hmm. everything's okay and everything's going fine. Listen, for most of us, life might be fine sometimes, but there's stuff we're dealing with all the time. And to have a place where we can wrestle through that as it relates to what God's doing in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's not just a gripe session, but it's a chance to say, you know, I was struggling with this and God helped me. Like that, and for someone coming into the church to see that they don't have to be perfect yeah. to put their faith in Jesus. And they don't have to get everything sorted out and, and just right before they can start to believe in what God has done for them. Because if that were needed, which one of us would? We'd all be stuck. I mean, there'd be no hope for any of us. Yeah. Because uh, that's the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. We can't do in us what needs to be done. We can't fix what's broken in us. And that's why we need Jesus.
1: Amen. Now the question that I'm sure was on everybody's mind on Sunday mornings, because it was the first thing that popped in my head when uh, you were reading scripture was in Acts 19 verses 11 and 12, which says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. So, my very easy question for you, uh, as I've seen in throughout Christian history, is that articles of clothing or objects that were owned by or believed to be touched by the disciples or certain people that are acknowledged as saints in different denominations of Christianity. Where is the border between the focus and worship on the God that works through the person or has done miracles through an item versus putting all the focus and attention on the item itself? Yeah, there's a name for those items, isn't there? Relics. They call them relics. I thought anything over the age of 35 was considered a (sighs) relic. Mm Hmm.
0: Uh huh. yeah so I, it, it's kind of a crazy thing to think about right to think that paul touched a piece of cloth and then that that cloth was taken and used to heal somebody but it's, it's not the only time in scripture we hear about stuff like that happening i can't think exactly where these other uh instances occur but there's a a part in Acts, early in Acts, where it talks about Peter walking past people and when his shadow fell on people, mm-hmm. they were healed. Yeah. Or, um, you know, the woman with the issue of blood came and just touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She didn't mm-hmm. actually touch Jesus, yeah. but just touching the bottom of his robe and she was healed because of her faith that if she could just get close enough to touch Jesus, it would happen. Um so it's crazy for us to think about those things so because because it's just crazy. We don't <laughs> we don't hear about stuff like that happening too much. Yeah. Um but there has been this whole tradition where where these relics, these items that have spiritual significance have have been elevated um, almost to the point of of being an idol or something yeah. where uh, mm-hmm. more focus has been paid to that actual thing than to the God who used that thing to do something. Um, And so where that line is, uh, I think is anytime, anytime we shift away from the God who's done the miracle and start focusing on whatever that other thing is, even if that other thing is a person, yeah. Right. because it wasn't actually Paul who was doing these miraculous yeah. signs; it was the Spirit in Paul.
1: Yeah, focus uh, on the the vessel God uses. Yeah, to do His work, and and it's you know can seem almost like more of a foreign idea in our culture and in our country. Um, and I I'm not going to share the the full testimony because a I can't do it justice, but b it's not my story to tell. But I I even know of A person in a Methodist church in South Jersey that uh, was dealing with medical issues and just kept praying, kept praying, was faithful in their word. And at some point felt God telling them to just touch the hem of his cloak
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, after reading that same story of of the bleeding woman and kept getting that in her in her prayer time. And went to a painting in her church where it was Jesus with the children hmm. and touched Jesus's cloak. And at the next appointment had such strong faith and confidence, told the doctor, you're not going to find anything that I've been dealing with for the past, I don't know how many months or even over a year. Hmm. And there was uh, a dramatic change with zero medical explanation wow. as to why Um and uh, But, you know, even after she felt insecure about even sharing that testimony to her church as if they wouldn't believe her mm-hmm. um, and sharing it. But after she finally felt comfortable after a long time, um, it's not like they started selling tickets to come touch the painting in our church right. because it heals and, and that kind of thing. It was all about um, just her relationship with God and being faithful to what he specifically called her to
0: do. Yeah. And so I think those items and those people that God uses... They're meant to point us to God. Yeah. And, and when they fail to do that, or when we fail to do that with them, that's when they become an issue.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Jeremy. Yes, sir. We, uh, this sermon on Sunday wrapped up our Holy Spirit sermon, our Holy Ghost stories sermon Ooh. series. What's next? What is next? We're moving into our Advent series and uh, what's a little preview, what's a little teaser of where we're going with that series since I'm going to be having surgery and you're going
1: to be preaching three <laughs> out of four of those sermons? Yeah, well, our sermon series is going to be called, What Are We Waiting For? Mm-hmm. You know, we we have this anticipation for Christmas, for the celebration, the festivities, um, but to celebrate Christ coming down to earth uh, to be with us and ultimately lead to his death and resurrection. And so I wanted us to look at the different aspects of people before Jesus came, cause we've been blessed enough to live in a world where obviously Jesus came like that's, that's old news. Um, but b- before Jesus uh, there were many people awaiting his arrival. Mm. And so we're going to be looking at um, waiting for um, salvation. You know, as soon as the fall happens mm-hmm. in Genesis that we're in need of a savior. Um, uh waiting for the Messiah and what the Jews anticipated in a Messiah and how Jesus um, fulfills um, the the prophecies, but maybe not everybody's expectations. Mm-hmm. What uh, waiting for a King, you know, how Herod, was one of his nicknames was King of the Jews. Mm. And so when Jesus arrives and changes um, his plans and, and his uh, outlook on what his position would look like or what power really looks like and all of these things, but then uh, we look at who's the King of our life. And then the last one I'll be preaching is, um, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for God to talk to us to, to, Show us a sign that he's working to um, whatever it may be in the you know, 400 years of silence before Jesus's uh, birth where they hadn't had any prophets um, or hadn't heard anything from God. And so when they're waiting for Messiah, when they're waiting to hear from God, what do we do in that, in that desire? Mm-hmm. And, and luckily for us, we have Jesus and, and we know what he did and has done. But, um, you know, what are we waiting for? Mm-hmm. That hasn't already been done by mm-hmm. God, and what He isn't currently doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very, very, very excited.
0: Yeah, personally. that's going to be great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to coming back uh, the week of of Christmas Eve and and preaching at the longest night service mm-hmm. on the 21st at seven o'clock. And uh, in that service, we're gonna you know, that's a service of grief and remembrance and hope and we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like when when it feels like the waiting is dragging on and mm-hmm. God's not showing up in the midst of our waiting and our grieving and our mourning. Um, and then on Christmas Eve, again, we'll be having service at 7 o'clock here at uh, FUMC. And then we're going to talk about... Okay, so we've been talking about what it looked like to be waiting for Jesus Mm -hmm. to come. And then there's a verse in Galatians that says, in the fullness of time or at just the right time, God sent forth his son. And so we're going to look at why that was the right time and and how that changed everything and how now we're still waiting for Jesus to come at just the right
1: time again. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super stoked For this Advent season And to go through it uh, With everybody um, It's going to be my first Advent season Here at FUMC Collingswood And so yeah We're just very very excited and blessed And are looking forward to what God has for us In the new year as well And so Keep your ears open Pay attention Ask good questions uh, For the podcast Because I'm, I'm looking forward to these discussions That we're going to be having in the next month And Advent's one of my favorite times of year. Candles. You're a big candle guy. No.